Hey friends, and welcome back to the Crosswalk Podcast, where we help you connect real faith to real life. In today's episode, Caleb and I dive into some study and conversation surrounding Paul's letter to the Christians and churches in Galatia. Now, in this particular letter, Paul lays a charge at their feet that they have begun to preach a different gospel. And this is something that we can be guilty of today, whether it's so-called progressive Christians rearranging and diluting the gospel of Jesus Christ and mixing in New Age religions, or hyper-fundamentalists who, while preaching grace, may actually, in fact, be living out a gospel of Jesus plus works, we can all be guilty of preaching the wrong gospel. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I'm talking about different gospels. I'm saying people are trying to make different gospels. I'm not saying there is a different mm-hmm. gospel. Jesus plus anything else for salvation. You're wrong. All right. Well, I feel like a heretic, actually, since I'm over here sipping on something besides coffee. I'm a little... Uh... I'm a little worried about that, honestly. I mean, especially considering that this is the earliest podcast that we've ever recorded. I know, I know. If you're watching on YouTube and you see that clock in the background, that is not PM. <laughs> that is not AM. That is AM. It's early. So, um, but you know, we wanted to bring you guys helpful content. It's our whole purpose here for Crosswalk is to help relate your real faith to real life and what's more real than the Bible. And so we're like, hey, let's just start doing a little bit more um Maybe even some verse-by-verse stuff, which is kind of what we thought here. So we're just going to jump right to it. We're going to bring you Galatians, probably uh, entirely verse-by-verse. As far as we make it, we'll just jump right in. You know, But to me, I almost feel like, um, again, like a little bit of a heretic, not having coffee and whatnot. You know what I mean? It's a, but at the same time, I want to be cautious that I don't like overdo it on my jokes about coffee. It's like, am I preaching a gospel of coffee? Well, dude, honestly, <laughs> it's which has nothing to do with the podcast at all. But yeah, it's actually like... So my back's been hurting, and I've been drinking a lot of coffee, too, though. And it's worried me because I'm like, man, maybe I should stop drinking so much coffee because, like, it's hurting so bad. It's like, dude, I hope my kidneys are okay. <laughs> oh, like, no. I hope I don't have, like, a kidney infection or something. True. And which, obviously, like, caffeine, I've heard, like, can make that worse. I don't think it's a kidney infection, but it's like mm-hmm. it hurts bad enough. It's It's like... Dude, what if it's my kidneys? And so it's like, I, we went to Mexico the other day. Normally I get sweet tea. I was like, I'm going to get a water. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I drink a lot of water anyways. But it, mm-hmm. it was hurting so bad that I woke up this morning and I was just thinking about that verse in Genesis. You know, whatever. What is it? 317 or something where it's like... Yeah, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which I command you do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by the means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat uh, the plants Caleb, the are you trying to say that you listened to your wife and got in trouble? <laughs> you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until the return of the ground, since you were taken from it. For, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. And I swear I think I'm returning to dust a little bit early. <laughs> I mean, I'm only 23, guys. Come on. Oh, man. These 9 to 5s are, are, are just not working right now. But I just thought it was funny. That's, that's something I thought about this morning. But, yeah, it's probably shouldn't even drink coffee just in case. But, you know, hey, worth it. Uh, you know. Well, you know, I think about it. Like we said, we wanted to bring helpful content to you guys. And talking about water, the washing of the water by the word. And so we were like, we wanted to get into the word and everything. And we want to bring you specifically as we got as we started digging into Galatians. 
just the gospel. We wanted to bring you the pure, unadulterated gospel, not watered down, not changed at all, uh, because that's really what Paul was getting into. And so I'm going to, I guess we'll just jump right in. I don't know how we want to do that. You just want to start reading read it first, and then we'll talk about it. So Galatians, and, and Paul starts off with us here in Galatians. We're going to start in the very first verse. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man. In other words, like, hold up just a second here. Uh, immediately, like we're, you know, just a few words in, and he's like immediately, hey, like, guys, this is from Jesus Christ. He says, but an apostle by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. And so immediately he's like, hey, I am Paul. I'm an apostle. This is not from men. This is from God himself. And so, and I think that's an important distinction to make because so oftentimes, especially when we talk about the gospel, we talk about a specific um, idea or thing. And so so many times I see churches, we get caught up We'll argue over so many ideas. We'll argue over something or whatever. And then you get to looking at it, and it's like sometimes neither side has a good scriptural basis for it. It's mm-hmm. just man's ideas. And right. Paul straight away is like, no, nah, this isn't men's ideas. This isn't something that somebody else came up with. This is straight from Jesus. All right. And so he goes on and he says, To the church of Galatians, telling who he's writing to, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is like a common greeting. This became a very common greeting among the brethren. Um, and you know, among the brothers and sisters of Christ, and so, which is something you know that I feel like we could get, we, we could stand to get back to today. You know what I mean? Like I feel like sometimes we don't like. There's just not enough unity. You're going to hear us talk a lot sometimes on the podcast. There's just not enough unity, and I'm like, man, if we could get back to this, like, I'll hey, a little bit about that today. <laughs> grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So I mean, if we got back to like, I mean, hey. Man, grace and peace from Jesus to you. Like, even with people we disagree with, like, they would do so much for us. He says that this Jesus Christ... Well, who- if you notice, it was the simple things, bro. Like, I remember... <laughs> which, I probably shouldn't even reference The Chosen anymore because ta- I talk about it so much on the podcast. But anyway, We're just going to keep doing it, man. But, dude, I was Is watching... That good? Is I that was good? watching it the other day, man. And probably, I don't know, man. <laughs> I was going to say one of my favorite parts. But I've, I got a lot of favorite parts. A lot of favorite parts. Because they're really good. Um, but... One of the things like I really noticed, like, and it's the small details that get you in that show. And he's they're staying at somebody's house, okay? So Jesus and the disciples, I guess he had all of them. He may have just had the the big three, um, the and, big three, yeah, the big three, yeah. <laughs> and like we're the Celtics of the Heat or something here. <laughs> and they were there, and they stayed the night. And Jesus wakes up, you know, and he looks over, and you know, uh, John, I guess, was awake. And, you know, he says something to him, you know, jokingly and kind of, you know, they, they joke around a little bit. And then he gets up out of bed. And before he gets out of the bed, like, he says his morning prayers. But, like, the simplicity of the prayer is what got me. Because, like, we, we always try to, like, do this this fancy, just big wordings as long as we can. It's just, like, sometimes just, like, the simple stuff is... is goes way farther. And that's what it was, because it was literally like, like he'd got out of bed, and which obviously this isn't necessarily scripturally based. This was uh, just kind of... Well, scripturally based to the extent that well, we knew the that idea Jesus of prayed the simplicity all of the time. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, but he was, he, he had just woken up, and but like just seeing it like firsthand, like basically like he wakes up and he gets up out of bed and he sits, he sits on the edge of his bed and he was like, thank you, Lord, my father, for... Waking me up this morning, or for 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 the beautiful day that you've set out before us, great is your faithfulness. 
And that's all he says. And he was done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like that is like a really powerful prayer, actually. I was like, he, he wakes up, he first acknowledges, thank you, God, for the day that you've set out before me. Basically, giving the day to God. Mm-hmm. And then acknowledging Continually on mission. how great is his faithfulness. Like, first, it was like such a simple prayer, but like, I was like, dang, like that, like. That's a solid prayer. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it's characteristic of somebody who's always in conversation with yes. God, the Father. So, yeah, I just know. thought that was interesting. It was really yeah, cool. absolutely. Well, and that, that that really ties in with what we're looking at today here in Galatia, in the in the, the letter to the Galatians. And, like, Paul, that's what Paul was all about. It was like, hey, guys, you're, you're drifting. You're getting off course with where you're going with these things. Right. And I think that's where we get caught up. We get We get caught up in... Well, let's just read it because I, I'm, it's going to explain it a lot better if we read it. If we read it, so Go it says, um, you know, Christ gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be glory forever and ever, Amen. And you literally, that's like the first the way that our chapters and verses are divided up in the English Bible. That's like the first five verses, and you already. I mean, there's just a ton, right? There. I mean, you you have. You have the gospel laid out right there. Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Back before that, he said, God the Father raised him from the dead according to the will of our God and Father. I mean, you have basically the gospel in a nutshell laid out right there. And so I think he did that on Which purpose. Paul is great for doing. Yes. And what you'll find is that even, even if you go back before these writings of Paul, what you find if you read some of the... Uh, from some of the early church fathers, some of the historical documents and stuff, besides just Paul, you know, the, the documents of the New Testament, you'll find that some of these things were actually worked into like creeds and sayings, and, and they had this thing called the rule of faith, where they summarize the core doctrine, the core teaching mm-hmm. of the message of Jesus. It was the gospel, and they had it summarized in this thing called the rule of faith, and it was easy to repeat, it was easy to memorize. And it was very succinct. But what was beautiful about it, it was it was the overarching narrative of God, the overarching narrative of the entire Bible, that there's this creation by one God that mankind messed it up through the fall of Adam and Eve, right? That they sinned, that there's this, this doctrine of original sin, and that Jesus came to fix that, to redeem that. Right. And then that someday after this regeneration that he's provided through the cross, someday there's going to be complete restoration for eternity. And so you have this really succinctly uh, thing here, and so you'll find places like this where Paul spells it out like that. And in fact, in like uh, in one of the Corinthian letters, he even lays out this thing, like this, and it, and it is in fact a creed that began to circulate, some historians even think within two years of the resurrection. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, super, super early. So... For, well, all, think, the, for think, all these people who are out there, all the skeptics, you know, or if you're listening and maybe you are a believer and you've heard skeptics say, oh, no, there are all these different competing gospels. There are all these different competing things in the early years of Christianity. And, you know, what we have today is just basically whoever they became the theological winners, so to speak, and they got to decide what's in the Bible. It, that's, that's nonsense. Right. It was set forth very, very early exactly mm. what the gospel was. Which is interesting because we're going we're gonna to talk about that actually in the future. Mm-hmm. We're going to have an episode on Bible translations and, and et cetera. So yes. you will definitely yes. get all the information that you want out of that, but we're making sure that we get plenty of prep time for that. So mm-hmm. um, that'll, that'll probably be a couple touchy weeks subject. away. <laughs> but yeah, a little touchy <laughs> subject. But um, no, I think that. I didn't even really mean to make that plug with like the like the simplicity thing, but like mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that really fits in really well because 
and which I don't know exactly how far we'll get into it today or if we'll get into it. Uh, it talks about it obviously a little bit, and we could t- obviously tie into like this chapter one right here. But especially when you get over to, like chapter two, like dude, it's just when I like reading it, I was just like, man, Paul puts it so like it's like. Mm-hmm. We're, we're so confused. We're we're introducing all these other gospels and false narratives and doctrines. Well, we think we're so special today that we're dealing with problems that nobody's dealt with before. That it's all new. And it's like, nah, man. Like I was just filling in for yeah. the youth in Sunday school, and they're starting our Sunday school literature starting Ecclesiastes, mm. and I'm like, man, dude. So I, as I get older, the more and more I realize how like spot on Solomon was with all <laughs> this. Uh, but I'm yeah. like. Ain't nothing new under the sun, right? Same to paraphrase, stuff. nothing new under the same sun. Stuff. And it's like we're dealing with these same things. And so immediately, I'm talking like Galatians may have been, you know, possibly the third or so letter that Paul. I mean, this is very early, early on yeah. in Paul's ministry. Once he begins this 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 process where he's having to write to these churches, and so this is a place where he's been through, and he says, "I'm amazed." So we're in verse six here, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Hmm. So right here, right away, I mean, this is this is within just years. You know I mean, we're not talking like 100 years or 80 years. I mean, this is within, I don't know exactly when the time would have been placed. This would probably have been... Uh, early 50s maybe in the first century, you know what I mean? So we're talking within, you know, probably 15, 20 years of the resurrection. This is early on, early on, within a couple of decades of the resurrection, that we are already having people who are turning away to a different gospel. They're already messing it up. If you look, like we said, nothing changes from then to now necessarily. It's exactly what we're facing now. If you look at it now, I mean, social trends and the things that we, we get into and get out of, it changes on a dime, and it's not, yes. you know, if you don't look at the society around you, you're thinking, man, like, that's a really short time to be, I mean, this dude literally just was raised from the dead, and, you know, all these miracles that he performed, and all these followers that he had, and now people are already, like, straying away from the truth, just, you know, this, however many years later, mm-hmm. it's like, look at the society with eyewitnesses, around you. Yeah. With eyewitnesses around. That's yeah. the crazy part. It's that's like, what, you yeah, had people like, who when you saw look, the resurrected Jesus, and yet, these people were still like going away and claiming other things. Right, yeah. With the eyewitnesses still telling them, no, this is exactly what we saw. It's crazy, and it, hap- it still happens today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I love the faith. That's why I love, and when I say the faith, I don't just mean my faith, I mean the faith, like the rule of faith, like we were talking about a moment ago, is that it's, it's actually historical. And my faith in that is not a blind faith. I don't just blindly believe the gospel because somebody said, oh, you need to take this on faith. It's true, trust me. I don't do that. I'm like, that's actually not real faith. Mm-hmm. Real faith, if we're going to talk about real faith, real faith is trusting based on evidence. Yeah. And so, like, like lately I'm reading a book um, by Elisa Childers. If you don't know who Elisa Childers is, if you've ever heard of the band back from, I don't remember when they started touring exactly, but I remember this band from, like, maybe late 90s, early 2000s, Zoe Girl. Um, she was in Zoe Girl. She's, uh, but anyways, she actually went through this process where she was like, man, she she started hearing a, a different gospel. She started hearing different things from a pastor, actually. Oddly enough, she started going to this church. It was refreshing. It was new. It was different than what she'd kind of grown up with at times. And they were drawn to it. They started going there. Well, then the pastor started asking her, um, hey, you know, 
come be a part of this class that I'm going to have. It's like invite only. It's there's only a, you know a handful of people in it and everything. Come be a part of this class. He's like, we'll go through it. It'll last four years. Basically, by the time you're done with it, it'll be the equivalent of like a seminary wow. training. And so she's thinking like, um, you know, I'm not trying to go to seminary or anything, but sure, why not? You know, let's do this. Yeah. She lasted like four months because as soon as she got into it, it became like it became very apparent that he described himself as a hopeful agnostic. This was the pastor of the church, described himself as a hopeful agnostic. And so everything they started going through, they, he literally started calling it out, calling into question the core doctrines of the gospel, the Bible, the cross, all of these things. They start calling these things into question. And so, I mean, it, it eventually, the, she was only in it for like four months. But through that time, it, it raised questions and doubts and things that she'd never even had, that she didn't know any answers to. Whoa. And she really came to this point of crisis in faith. It was what people often now call deconstruction. And you hear all that, all about <laughs> yeah. that everything. And it's a purposeful thing in progressive Christianity is we want to help you deconstruct so that we can well, help the funny you thing, reconstruct. The, the but it's according thing. to a different gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we're going to see here in just a moment in the passage, Paul has some really strong words for anybody who would try to preach even a remotely slightly different gospel yeah. than what came, you know, from Jesus and the apostles. So uh, I'll read on it. So you verse on and, and, and seven that says, not that there's another gospel, mm-hmm. which I love that it's just in like in today's time, people who try to twist your words. And Paul is fantastic about making sure that he tries not to get any loopholes. And that is one of them where he says, well, let me back up here. I'm talking about different gospels. I'm saying people are trying to make different gospels. I'm not saying there is another mm-hmm. gospel. So he like he's like pointing that out there because it's it's just like it was back then as it is today. I mean, people will try to twist your words and and get around you somehow. Uh, but there are some of you who are who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you, by the way, you, I love this line. So I just want—I want all of us to really focus in as we hear this. Okay, this is this is like this is, kind of the power statement here. This is verse eight. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. Which is where, if you've ever heard of, if you've ever heard the word anathema. Or anathematize if you ever studied in church history or anything. This is where we get like um, the idea of people being excommunicated or kicked out of fellowship and all this stuff. It's like this is this is a, these are these are fighting words. <laughs> okay, this is a big deal. Like this is a, anathema with like a curse be on him is the idea that you are set apart for destruction by God. Dude, I actually seen a uh, a Facebook post the other day, uh, and somebody had posted a picture of a letter that they had gotten, and it's from a church, and. Basically, they had sent them this letter that was like I, I can't remember like exactly how long it had been, but they're basically like we've not seen you in church in three weeks. I mean, it was, it was like it was actually a pretty short amount of time. I mean, it was yeah. like three, four, five, six weeks, something like that. So we've not seen you in church in in three to six weeks or whatever it was, uh, and we want to let you know that. If we have not seen you in church, or if you've not replied this email by this certain date, we will be canceling your membership of church of our church, or you know, kicking you out, or whatever. <laughs> however, they say it, but they posted it on there, and they was like, "This is ridiculous," blah blah blah. And I just read it, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Oh my word! 
Which that actually, sounds like that sounds like a letter from the utility company saying you haven't paid your bill, and if you have not responded by this such and such date, we're cutting off your well. It does, and it's, service. And it's I mean, that's crazy. And it, and it, but it sounds crazy, and it sounds like oh man, that's just Facebook. That's stuff you just see on Facebook. But I'll tell you, man, that stuff happens around here too. But do you know why? Do you know why? Because they because we get away from the gospel. Well, we yeah. intermingle and we mix our ideas into it. And Paul says, if you preach, he actually says, basically. If I, Paul, myself come back and I preach something different, a curse be on me. Mm. If I come and try to change what you first heard from me. Or if even an angel from heaven, if even an angel from heaven should preach to you. And so what I find interesting, I look at so many other um, major religions in the world today, and what, what did some of them claim? Like I look at Islam, and what, is, what did Muhammad claim? He claimed that he received a vision of the true mm. word from an angel. Right. And it's a false gospel. It's false ideas. Well, and it happens on many different scales because we see that obviously in large scales like that, you know, where people, mm-hmm. you know, have oh visions or whatever, and they claim that they've actually seen the true version of the, of the gospel, and you know, whatever. But it, I mean, I feel like it happens on a lot smaller scales too, where we don't necessarily say, oh, well, this is the true gospel, or oh, I'm changing the gospel. But it's like. We pull in our own ideas, and we're like, Absolutely. "Oh, you know this. This just makes a little more. This makes me more comfortable. I would, or whatever the case may be. We seem to do that a lot. And that I, is why, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know how in detail we'll be able to go with it, but you know, this idea of progressive Christianity. There was a there was a movement kind of the early two thousand. They called it the emergent church, the emergent you know movement and everything, and it was just. Some parts of it were refreshing, some parts of it weren't weren't that bad or whatever, but it really just, it's morphed and it's evolved and it's changed, and nowadays it's it's really what we would call progressive churches, progressive Christianity, and they'll even label themselves that. I mean, there are churches that will actually, that, like in their name, it'll be labeled as a progressive church. This isn't like a like a derogatory term that like conservatives are using to get, it's like their own terms, right. it's their own thing, it's progressive church, the idea that, oh, we've progressed beyond this backwards, fundamentalist, old-school, naive, less progressive theology, we've progressed beyond that into a better gospel. And that is exactly the kind of thing that Paul is talking against here, well, yeah, and what he is conti- that there is no other gospel. And he continues on, and he says, you know, as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you've received, a curse be on him. So he repeats what he repeats himself. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on and he says, for I am now, for am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think that's really significant because mm. well, that's exactly what that is. They're doing what everybody <laughs> does. I mean, that justification of the people around us is like I don't even. That is a I don't, I don't even necessarily want to call it a social trend. That's just like built into the nature of humans. I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. we want to please the people around us. We want to be people pleasers, and which I, that's where I think. Uh, which is kind of a little bit off topic, but I think that that's where what makes uh, Jesus's ministry so awesome is because he's so full of truth and grace. Because he has, he's not a people pleaser; he's a people truther. But at the same time, does it in ways that it doesn't necessarily hurt people. It may offend people, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't hurt people. It's like more like a wow, that really sucks to hear, but you're right. Mm-hmm. But he's really good at that, though. And I, I don't know, I just think that's cool. 
Yeah. Well, like we talked about that rule of faith and this thing that like here's what Paul's laid out and he's and he's you know he's explaining these things and he's saying you know there's gonna be a curse on you guys and everything like if you do this and he says and then he, I, I I do love like as you pointed out am I trying to persuade people or God like am I just trying to get people make make people like me he's like if I wanted people to like me I wouldn't serve God mm-hmm. like it's not gonna work that that quite that way and the this kind of idea of a progressive gospel and and this is where there's not any kind of like basic like progressive christianity statement of faith or something they're actually against things like that but it becomes a very obvious thing that they believe so for example quoting from elisa childers book she she quotes uh dr michael kruger and i didn't have time to go actually get like the, the actual source material from him but so i'm just going to quote it from her book he kind of summarizes this rule of faith, and here there's like seven things that they would really kind of encapsulate in this. There's one God, the creator of heaven and earth. The same God spoke through the prophets of the Old Testament regarding the coming Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God, born from the seed of David through the Virgin Mary. Jesus is the creator of all things who came into the world, God in the flesh. Now, right there, we could stop right there, and you had people in the first century who were already attacking the deity of Christ, who were already saying, mm-hmm. there was, no, there was definitely no virgin birth, and no, Jesus was definitely not actually God in the flesh. And so they actually developed these creeds and things very early on, one, to just make it very clear and able to teach other people, but also as an answer to these objections from some people. And he says, Jesus came to bring salvation and redemption for those who believe in him. Okay? I mean, if stop me when this sounds familiar, <laughs> Right? So we have from the first century, from the first century, from the beginning of Christianity, this same gospel that you and I have heard preached, the same gospel that you and I have trusted in, that Jesus physically suffered and was crucified under Pontius Pilate, raised bodily from the dead, and exalted to the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus will return again to judge the world. Hmm. Right? And so it's not focused around one particular doctrine. It actually encompasses the whole overarching narrative of God throughout the Scriptures. And that's the gospel of the ancient church. It follows that creation, fall, redemption, restoration kind of arc. Now, you compare that, she goes on, compare that with um, words from Brian McLaren, who's a very progressive Christianity guy. He was involved with the emergent movement and everything, and the progressive version of the gospel, talking about Jesus, saying that he came to announce a new kingdom. Um, we're quoting from Brian McLaren here. He came to announce a new kingdom, a new way of life, a new way of peace that carried good news to all people of every religion. So far, I'm like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with that, actually. But then he says this, a new kingdom is much bigger than a new religion, and in fact, it has room for many religious traditions within it. Hmm. Now, depending upon what you mean by religious traditions, I would still agree. If you mean by different religious traditions, we sing a different kind of music at a particular right. church, or we like a particular translation better, or we like a particular style of dress, or something. If you're talking about that, I'm still with you. Right. But but he's not. He's right. not. He's actually saying this good news wasn't simply about a new way to solve the religious problems of ontological fall and original sin problems. Remember once more that arise centuries later and within a different narrative altogether. That's actually just untrue. We just read the rule of faith yeah. from the first century, and that's not what he was saying. It says it wasn't simply information about how individual souls could leave earth, avoid hell, and ascend to heaven after death. No, it was about God's will being done on earth as in heaven for all people. It was about God's faithful solidarity with all humanity in our suffering, oppression, and evil. 
It was about God's compassion and call to be reconciled with God and with one another before death on earth. And so she goes on and she says these two Gospels couldn't be more different. You have elements of truth peppered in there. Yep. It sounds good. We're talking about, oh, he, he understands. He can relate to our suffering. You know, he's got peppered in there things about God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's like, well, that sounds familiar. Yep. Right? And so they work this kind of thing in there. And so there's like elements of the truth. But it goes so far off course that it would definitely be categorized as something like what Paul was denouncing here. And so, you know, this idea of the gospel of the apostles, you know, expresses this idea that God created everything and he actually became flesh and invites us to follow him in pursuing him, loving him, and loving our neighbors, right? A God that was crucified, that came and actually put on a body and allowed that body to be killed, was crucified, buried, physically resurrected to save mankind from sin and death. All of these things. But then you look at this progressive so-called gospel, and all it gives is somebody who can only stand in solidarity with us in our suffering, Mm -hmm. in this life. And that's not the gospel that we see. It's not the gospel that can be traced through history, right? That's just not the case. And so... It's amazing to me the way that, that they will go about these things. It's amazing to me that they'll just go so far from what the Scriptures say. And that's what Paul really warned against. But we're not careful enough in that. I think sometimes, especially as believers, this is one of the things I really wanted to hit on. Sometimes as a believer, I think we're, we're kind of like, oh, well, the gospel. Well, yeah, I needed to hear that when I got saved. Now give me something else. Hmm. Give me more meat and potatoes. Right. You know, and, and then it's almost as if it becomes this, well, yeah, grace got me saved. Now i got to put all this effort in, and I need to grow. And, and yes, you need to apply yourself. You need to be disciplined. But at the same time, it's always the, those spiritual disciplines are a, I'm going to be disciplined in forming the habits of showing up, but it's not dependent upon me. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. It's dependent upon me insofar as I've got to show up and be available to God to mold and to change. Right. But I'm not doing the molding. I'm right. not doing the changing myself. I show up. I read the scriptures. I pray. I listen. I'm in community with other believers. That's how God's going to change me and transform me to be more, made more into the image of Christ. It's not on me to change myself. Yeah, I mean, with, and with so many different versions of the gospel out there and, and the good news and religions out there, I mean, it's hard to develop okay, what is truth, what's not, mm-hmm. what exactly is the facts, you know? And I like how Paul goes on in this, and he says, you know, for I want you to know, and which, again, he's he's backtracking, and he's like, let me make sure you guys don't get in any loopholes around this. But he says, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of humans. So he's like, ah, so he goes, I know I'm talking about People creating other versions of the gospel. He was like, so I know some of you are going to look at me and be like, well, this is just your version of the gospel. But he's like, mm-hmm. no, this is different. He says, so this is, this is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my mm-hmm. former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church, and I tried to destroy it. And I want to stop right there because I think it's really, really cool because... He starts to do the introduction to, hey, if you want to know what the truth is, this is how you figure it out. Because there's life, there's there's life with God, and there's life without God. There is evidence with God. There's evidence without God. Okay, and it's very, very, very plain and clear. Because 
Paul was living his version of the gospel. He was living his truth. Okay, what he thought was right, what he thought God wanted mm-hmm. him to do, what he thought was the the correct, uh, you know, Christian way or whatever. I guess you want to say he thought he was doing the right thing. But he goes on to say, he's like, okay, listen, this is what I was doing before I actually was a servant of Christ. I thought I was a servant of Christ. Like, this is what I yeah. was doing. Now, and he kind of tells a little bit, of, he kind of goes through and tells oh, yeah. a little bit of his story. And he's like, listen, look well, at the difference. The big thing about it was he's actually saying, he's like, look, and that was his thing. Again, people were still alive. If people wanted to call Paul out and question him on, well, I don't know, but they could go, they could actually go find people. Yeah that had been with Paul on the road to Damascus when he has this encounter that he's talking about here. He could go and they could talk to Peter. They could go find James. They could go find they could go find these people and actually and actually ask them if they really wanted to. Hey, did you were you guys really the ones who taught Paul the gospel or not? Yeah. And so he's saying verify he's like fact check me. Yeah. It's like you can verify the, my story here. I'm not lying to you. You can verify my story. They didn't teach it to me. I didn't get it from them. They got it directly from Jesus, and so did I mm-hmm. in a different way. But they, they got it directly from him, and so did I. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that is exactly what he said, which I, we'll, we'll go ahead and go on because that's exactly what he says. He says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many con- contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Man, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. So he's saying, hey, Jesus did this so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anybody. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went back to Arabia and came back to Damascus. So he's saying, hey. Fact check me, okay? Here's my life story. I was persecuting mm-hmm. Christians. Jesus changed me. It wasn't people who changed me. It wasn't people who persuaded me. It's not, hey, I followed my own version of the gospel because I already did that. I was doing that to begin with. He's like, and yeah. then I was changed, okay? And the same thing goes for not just necessarily what we believe or what we believe to be true or perceive as true, but that same thing goes for, hey, we go, we go back to this all the time. You want to know if you are a true follower of Christ? You want to know if Christ is in you? Look at your life. What mm-hmm. has changed? Okay? I was this person, and now I'm this person. If there is, if, if there is blurred lines there, something's wrong. If, if you can't necessarily see the di- well, you know, I know who, I know, you know, I was doing this before I was saved, and, you know, now I, I thought I gave my life to Christ, but, man, I'm doing the exact same thing. Like, literally nothing's changed. You got problems, okay? Something, something, something didn't happen there. Something didn't change because mm-hmm. it, it changes, okay? And so that's how that happens with anything. That happens with your salvation. That happens with your life. But that also happens with with truth and what is the gospel. Because when Jesus is introduced into it, when God is introduced into it, and when they are present, you notice it. Things change. Things happen, and you notice it. And so that's Absolutely. how you recognize that truth. It's it's and which again. That's what I like about Paul making it. He makes it simple. Okay, we don't have to go through the, all this. Okay, well, I need to read the whole Bible and yeah. dissect it and figure out what's true doctrine and what's not. It's like, no, if God is in it, you're well, going to know the, it. That's the danger, though, is that we get into. It's like, you know, if, if, you're in, if you're in churches like those around us or if you're in a, a place 
like where we live and some of our listeners are not, I mean like, Hey, shout out to Seattle. We have listeners in Seattle, Washington. Dope. Awesome. You know, if you're in Seattle, it's like you're in a very, you're a very progressive liberal setting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and we love you too. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's okay. But like, there's a lot of these ideas that we're talking about that are thrown out there that you're going to recognize more readily than maybe somebody who's living in like an East Tennessee. Yeah. You know? And so even if you're around here though, there's a real danger because like you're saying, it needs to. There needs to be a change that occurs, and there needs to be grace. Needs to be evident because grace is going to be evident when God's really in it. Yep. But what happens is, is that people get on all these things. And it's like, well, I get cleaned up first. <laughs> I mean, I don't know enough of the Bible. I'm probably not really a Christian. I don't know enough of the Bible. <sighs> Man, you know, like I, I, I need to. I got to stop drinking first. I got to stop cussing first. I got to stop doing this and that. I got to read my Bible enough. I got to do all these things before I can go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to get my hair cut. I got I to do this. I, gotta, I don't have the right clothes. And what happens is he's trying to unite them around the gospel here in Galatians. And he's trying to point them back to this, the, the pure, unmixed, unadulterated gospel because what had happened was you had people who had come in, they called them the Judaizers, who were trying to put the Jewish law back on these people, who were trying to put stipulations, who were trying to be legalistic about certain things that they had no, no business being legalistic about. And so it's not just a progressive side on that end of the spectrum. It can be a very, very conservative, hyper-fundamentalist mm-hmm. side, other side of the spectrum that can be just as guilty of preaching and intermingling ideas, man's ideas, in with the gospel. And that's very dangerous. And that's, that's what I see sometimes, you know, it's like, well, you know, you're not a real Christian if you smoke, which, which I'll be honest. I ain't heard that one. A ho- I ain't heard I that one in a long time because tobacco has become just say, culturally it, acceptable. Isn't it funny how, how sins change, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, mm-hmm. how, and that's how, you know, that's how, you know, is, is, is God really in it? Because all of a sudden, you know, our, our sins kind of change a little bit because it used to be, dude, the, the big thing was y- y- if you're smoking, you're a sinner. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you can't do that. You can't do that and go to church. Now, so you don't hear that as much. Now, it's, no. now it's, which it's always no, been drinking, now you see, but it's... Now like, you see people smoking in the church parking lot. Yeah, now you see people <laughs> smoking in the church parking lot, you know, but, and same thing goes, I mean, it used to be... Or they got, or they got a dip in. Well, you still see it, you know, and a that little was, bit today, That but was hit on heavy It used years to be, past. too, the same thing with, oh, well, women have to wear skirts to church, man. Yes. They can't wear jeans, they can't, I mean, it's got to be skirts. Now, so... There's still some, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but most of the time you don't see that anymore. It's like it's just funny how things change. Which you know, make no mistake, culture. we're all for properness. We are all for <laughs> modesty and properness yeah, yeah. and and right behavior. But what we're calling out is when we take something that's not core and central to the gospel, mm-hmm. and we try to make it yeah. core and central to the gospel. And it happens so much. It happens so much. It does. And Paul, and you know, and Paul is saying. A curse beyond anybody who does that. Mm-hmm. And it, if it, you try to, if you try to say Jesus plus anything else for salvation, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and the uh, just to kind of finish up this little first chapter right here. And he goes on. And he says, then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know mm-hmm. Cephas, and I stayed with him fifteen days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles, Who's Peter, by the except way, except James the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I'm not lying in what I write to you. So he repeats himself, like, trust me, this is God, this is God's doing, it's not me. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia. Sicilia? 
Did I say that right? Cilicia. Cilicia. Okay. Our, sorry, my Tennessee coming out there a little bit. Our main personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And so this is what I think is really, really cool. Okay, I like getting to that point because this is what I think is, uh, is cool. And I understand where Paul's coming from because he's saying like, hey, I didn't just first start going in massive crowds and start preaching the gospel. I didn't first go to the apostles, and which is also mm-hmm. one of the reasons why you kind of, either Paul was a super genius or God was in it, because he's like, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm going to do this in an orderly fashion, in order operation, because if not, then I know that my, the truth of what I preach is going to come out as iffy, and people are going to be skeptical about it, if I don't do this the right way. And so he's like, hey, I'm, I didn't just straight up go to the apostles, and because then everybody's just going to assume that I uh, just took on another man's version of preaching, but he's like, I want people to know mm-hmm. that this is from God. This is from God. Well, and not only that, they were afraid of him. He oh, was yeah. literally having people killed and persecuted and that's for what their I was, faith. That's, he, they were afraid that's of him. What I was gonna say. If he'd have up and just walked into waltzed into Jerusalem and been like, "Hey guys, I'm one of you," now, they're gonna be like, "What trickery is this?" Oh yeah, they would have <laughs> thought that they were tricking. I mean, he would have had he. I understand because he he wanted to earn some sort of reputation for himself mm-hmm. outside of just the guy that was persecuting Christians, but he wanted to yeah. be known first before people even knew the name because that's what he said. He didn't in verse twenty three. He doesn't say that the word was going around that Paul or Saul. I guess in that time, mm-hmm. he, the word wasn't going around that Saul was a changed Christian. It was just they kept hearing. Hey, you know, the guy who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith. So it was kind of vague. People didn't really know all the details. It was just kind of like, knew who it was, but it, but again, it wasn't a. But it wasn't a face to face contact. It wasn't a face to face like, oh, Paul's he's coming like, to Jerusalem and joining us. He just started getting these rumors mm-hmm. around, and that got people more comfortable with it and being like, okay, well, maybe there is something to this. So that when he did make that face to face contact, yeah. people would actually give him the time of day to see. Dang, this yeah. guy's changed. Well, the very next lot, and they glorified God because of me. Yep. Saying it's showing, proven, showing that the gospel, the true gospel, the one true gospel, is effective in bringing change, in changing people's lives. And so I think for us, our big point kind of today, though, for all of us, for our listeners and everything, for you guys, is that we need to be on guard. We need to know the true gospel. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that everything else is filtered through it, that we're not taking in other ideas because it's trendy right now to use pop psychology. It's trendy right now to get little one-liners from memes or pictures or tweets and things on social media. And if we're not careful, some of those ideas that are actually against the true gospel are going to work their way into our yeah. understanding, into our worldview without us being totally aware and so we've got to be on guard. We've got to be careful. We've got to know the true gospel. And when things don't align with it, then just like Paul, we have to say, no, nah, we're going to steer clear of that, and we're going to go follow the truth. And I'd, I'd seen a thing the other day that, that basically was yeah, it said, if you've already got an idea, if, you've, if you think you already know what God wants you to do, then it's hard to hear God when he tells you what you want mm-hmm. to do. And the same thing goes for... When we read the Bible, if we think we already know what the Bible says, then we're going to hear, we're going to see when we read the Bible what we think we know that it says. And so I think that 
we've got to be careful of the extremes of the progressive side of it of no we don't really have original sin jesus understands our suffering and oppression you just need to be you just need to be mindful of where you're not being true to your truth where you're not being true to yourself until mm-hmm. you really we got to be aware of that we got to be aware of the other side the hyper fundamentalist of no no you got to do x y and z before you can come to the church and really receive the gospel we need to be smack dab in the truth I won't even say the middle. I'll say the truth. In the truth. We need to be smack dab in the smack truth. Smack dab in the truth. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll title this episode. I don't know. But smack dab in the truth. Dude, that is definitely the title. <laughs> smack dab in the truth. Guys, this was Galatians 1. I'm yeah. so glad we I'll got to the first I'll leave you with this. Chapter. That truth, Paul lays it out clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Peter and the twelve and all the apostles and last of all, as one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me, as in Paul. And that was really what he was getting at in Galatians 1. And that is where we need to be, smack dab in the truth. And so, guys... Guys, we got five more chapters. Come back and see us. We're going to be doing the rest of them. We'll be on chapter two next time. As for now, this is Crosswalk. Thank you guys for listening. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Crosswalk Podcast, where we help you connect real faith to real life. In today's episode, Caleb and I dive into some study and conversation surrounding Paul's letter to the Christians and churches in Galatia. Now, in this particular letter, Paul lays a charge at their feet that they have begun to preach a different gospel. And this is something that we can be guilty of today whether it's so-called progressive Christians rearranging and diluting the gospel of Jesus Christ and mixing in New Age religions, or hyper-fundamentalists who, while preaching grace, may actually, in fact, be living out a gospel of Jesus plus works, we can all be guilty of preaching the wrong gospel.